You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Hello and welcome into another edition of Three Ma. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. We are back from Manhattan, at least Cole and I, D.Y., uh, there permanently. But we go to the game, we watch K-State get smacked around by Nebraska in the second half. It was not particularly fun afternoon in Bramlage Coliseum. Pretty good crowd with no students there, but uh, K-State scoring 12 points in the second half and going the final 14-45 of the game with only one field goal uh, spelled due for the Cats. And uh, it would lead you to drink, I would certainly imagine. I just hope it was your Ben Holiday bottled in Bond bourbon or your 360 vodka. Of course, both provided by our friends at Holiday Distillery. Make sure that you get out and find that if you are a bourbon drinker. We get rave reviews all the time about Ben Holiday bottled in Bond bourbon. Or if you are more on the vodka side of things, 360 vodka. Make sure that you are locked and ready to go for the rest of basketball season. Also, we got the Pop-Tarts Bowl coming up. Go get the Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon now so you can make sure to pair it with the uh, appropriate Pop-Tart. You know, a little taste testing, that, w- that would probably be a, a good idea there. So, uh, yes, shout out to our friends at Holiday Distillery. Huh. All right, man. I mean, look, they were fine in the first half, up 34-31 at halftime. Seemed like, to me... Everything was on track, and K-State just went ice cold in the second half, 0 of 12 from three-point range. As I mentioned, just one field goal basically the last 15 minutes of the game. And I I don't know, Jerome Tang's attitude and Tyler Perry's attitude after the game seemed to be kind of like, hey, you're going to have games like that where it doesn't matter what you do, you're not going to win because the ball just isn't going in the hole. That's a bit frustrating to me to hear after the game especially when Nebraska was dominating K-State on the offensive glass as much as they were in the second half which feels to me to be a little bit more of an effort sort of stat but I don't know that was that was apparently the takeaway at least publicly for Jerome Tang and company after the game Uh, Derek what did you think after seeing the game and and going through the presser they definitely were dismissing and chalking that one up to it being one of those two or three games that happen every year. I have a hard time viewing it similarly. I think from a shooting perspective, they're probably right. But I just think that there were enough issues, other issues in that game that would lead me to believe that it was more than that. That doesn't mean that it's a blinking red sign going off in my head or, or alarm bells to, to to sound. I'm not necessarily saying that. I just, I wouldn't qualify that game as they did afterwards. And, and maybe that's to take some of the, the pressure that's been on them for the past few weeks and to kind of relieve them of that because, you know, I'm, I'm working on, you know, our, what we learned story right now. And one of my bullet points is, and then maybe it was a little bit, of one of those situations, you know, they beat Villanova and LSU amid those distractions, and we thought those distractions might sink them in one of those two games. And instead, they kind of forged forward and and played their best stretch of basketball. But maybe it took everything out of them at that point to play their best stretch of basketball because that took an an, an insane amount of mental fortitude and toughness to kind of 
go through those gates, especially winning on the road against a high major opponent by 15, even if LSU was, you know, subpar. But at the end of the day, I, I thought why the reason why I wouldn't just qualify it as a a cold night shooting is like th- there were I guess two examples, and it's going to sound like I'm calling out two individuals, and I'm not. I'm sure it was a a collective uh, issue, collective thing that that transpired in this one. But Jerome Tang often talks about you know toughness, and he defines it as doing the next right thing, which I I appreciate and I, and I would agree. There was one time where David Gasson basically tried to posterize someone with the dunk. I think he was trying to dunk over two guys, fell down, wanted a call, probably should have been a call, didn't get a call. Braska's scoring a basket on the other end before he even gets off the floor. He's still laying on the ground underneath the Kansas State basket that they're trying to score on. And there was another case where Arthur Kaluma did the same thing, I believe, when he probably got fouled, should have got the call, didn't, and is trying to gesture to, to try to get the call or to show frustration that he didn't get the call. Before you know it, I think he had just got up and Nebraska's on the other end of the floor about to score again. So those are two things where, you know, you're not really doing the next right thing. If if you're not getting up off the floor and and instead of arguing with the ref or complaining that you didn't get the call, you're not down there helping your team defend the basket. Those are two instances that troubled me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I, one thing I will say about effort is when shots aren't falling, it often seems like an effort issue, too. Uh, you know, it, 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 when you're watching the game as a fan, you think if you're not making baskets, everything kind of crumbles and it, it feels like effort. But a lot of times it's just a matter of the shots not going in the basket. Now, I, I think it's more of a combination of both. I think there were probably some effort issues in that game. I think there were also probably some defensive lapses the way that Nebraska was attacking K-State offensively where they kept getting the switch. I think Jerome Tang talked about it after the game too, but they kept getting Jawan Gary, who's a six foot six transfer from Alabama, uh, really mobile type big that can go play down in the paint and play out on the perimeter. They kept getting him on Tyler Perry, and what was happening was those long shots, they would have him go to the weak side, and he would be right there and have the mismatch to get the offensive rebound. Jawan Gary ends up with 11 offensive rebounds in the game, 18 boards overall. Uh, Gary's in his fourth year of college basketball. The most rebounds he'd ever had in the game was 11. Going into that, he had 18 against K-State. Nebraska was 102nd in offensive rebounding percentage coming into the game. Obviously, they collect 22 offensive boards with 14 of them coming in the second half. What's interesting about the, the final box scores when you look at the numbers is Nebraska didn't necessarily capitalize at a high rate on the offensive rebounds. They only have 16 second-chance points in the entire game. They outscored K-State 16-12 to on second chance. And in the second half, when they had 14 offensive boards alone, they only had nine second-chance points. But what I think where it hurt K-State maybe the most, first of all, it sucked the energy out of the crowd. It was deflating to keep having those offensive rebounds uh, that Nebraska was getting. But it hurt K-State and be able to get out and run. K-State finishes the game with three fast break points. And when you can't get a defensive rebound, you can't get out and run the court. And K-State just could not get out and transition and get a couple easy baskets, which it felt like they needed as they couldn't get anything out of their half-court offense. I mean, Nebraska was 126th in Ken Palm defensively coming into the game. I'm I'm a little staggered they weren't able to get better looks for much of that contest. And and they missed some good looks, but but there were also some some times where they were not really in a rhythm offensively or having good flow. So I don't know. Like, I, I think there were probably a few effort issues you could nitpick. I also think part of it was just they were getting K-State in a mismatch and K-State wasn't able to adjust, and that was leading to some offensive boards 
And then obviously K-State could not make anything on the offensive end and guys just pressed, I think, as it went on and continued. Yeah, I well, it, it's it, you. You bring up the the looks that they got. I was actually surprised to hear. I mean, Jerome Tang said post game like he thought he thought they were all getting good looks, and that they just weren't going down. Again, it just felt like a lot of the the deference post game was to shots weren't falling. And I I don't know. I felt like it was a mixed bag. I thought some some were good, but some were just guys really trying to force it. Particularly, I mean, Arthur Kaluma had a rough day. I mean, I thought he was really trying to force things a lot on the offensive end, and it wasn't going down. So, I mean. I don't know what DY was it was it all good looks not going down or do they need to adjust some somewhere in the in the half court offense? I think there was some good looks that have to be made that weren't, and I think there were probably moments where it felt like they weren't going to create an open look for themselves. More than any, if they made the open shots they got, we're not really worrying about some of the looks they didn't create. So in the end, he's probably right on that front. Because when you talk about Kaluma forcing it, I felt the same way. And then I look back and I think about, there's a couple of cases where I was like, man, how you missed that? I mean, he, I think he had three wide open threes that he missed too. So I think with Jerome Ting, what he says as a point at the end of the day, um, I do think it was about not shooting the ball well. I mean, that was historically, or historically bad, right? We can try to say, yeah, there was other stuff. There was, and there was other stuff. Kansas State was 16 of 60. I mean, 16 of 60 from the field. They made four baskets only in the second half. And they weren't even bad just from the field. They were bad from the three-point line where they were four of 30. They were bad for the free-throw line when they were 10 of 18. So it's like, you know, when I go into this, and and I do think that some of the things I complained about, like not getting back and stuff, they were letting their poor shooting probably affect every other area of their performance. So what looks like effort is probably just pressing in and letting the bad shooting get in their head. But at the end of the day, you would have seen a shooting performance like that. You're like, this game, did this team play four games in a week? And maybe it felt that way just because of all the stress that they've been through kind of caught up to them. I don't know. I, I think where I, I am a little concerned because I think – you know, they. You think sometimes like a bad shooting effort like that. You're like, ah, it's isolated incident, just a, a rarity, and that's not going to happen uh, again. Well, K-State went four of twenty-eight from three against Miami. They went four of thirty yesterday against Nebraska. They went three of eighteen from three against North Alabama. They went eight of thirty-three from three against USC. In the three losses, they're a combined sixteen of ninety-one from three this year, which is seventeen and a half percent. They're now 285th in the country in three-point offense at 30.2%. So I worry if this team has enough shooters. Uh, you know, And it doesn't help that Tyler Perry is, is really struggling, obviously. I mean, Tyler Perry now in his last eight games is shooting, I believe, 85% from three. I think I have him at, uh, at 17 to 68. Let me just run the, the numbers real quick. Yeah, 25% from three in his last eight games. Um, so he has struggled. I, I don't know if it's a matter of just not getting the looks he likes, but there's been some open looks he's missed. He's obviously been clutch at times, but they just, they have not been a consistent shooting team on the offensive end. And, and obviously we've talked about already, and I think Jerome team mentioned it a couple of times, confidence. And that's maybe that's why he didn't absolutely smoke them in a post game because he thinks this team is in search of confidence because then they'll play a lot better if that is the case. 
Um, I we've talked about them maybe being in the Tyler Perry's head. He made three of his first four, and then I think he missed his last six from the three point line. So a little streaky, a little inconsistent, maybe in search of confidence. Another guy in search of confidence, and I think that's why he doesn't get smoked either, is David Gasson. Like I think they're trying to get him. Now he he was a good rebounder for most of the season, pretty good in the first half, not so much in the second half. But again, I think that's a guy what? Has he missed nine, ten straight free throws? Well, and Tang went, really went to bat for him in the postgame press conference. Somebody asked a question about Gasson and struggling offensively, and Tang was kind of like, well, I thought I thought he was pretty good today. Um, really didn't give in to that question very much at all, so that would definitely um, lend some credence to your theory there. And yeah, Cole, I mean, I was going to say the same thing. It, the, the problem with the shooting is that, like, this whole team, Tyler Perry especially, but this whole team has just been very streaky, like, even Kaluma, you know, I mean, Kaluma had been red hot for the last couple of weeks, but before that was kind of ice cold. I mean, this team has just been very, very streaky as a whole throughout the year. And so that's that's kind of what concerns you going through the rest of the season. Like, I think they definitely could have nights where they jump up and beat about anybody in the league if if they're hot and they're they're shooting it well. But then there are nights where they could literally, especially in this league, lose to anybody in the league because you're just going to get an effort like you got yesterday. So I... I don't know if there's a fix for that. You know, I mean, that's the problem. I, I don't know if there's a fix for that, especially if Perry, who's supposed to be the, you know, I mean, Jerome Tang's called him the best shooter in the country. Um, if if he's supposed to be that guy and and he's the one that is is struggling the way that he is, I, I just I don't know if there's a fix for that. Now, the fix was supposed to be that you would have a six ten pogo stick matchup nightmare that could play one through five that was going to come in the game and attract a lot of attention and create some better looks for everybody, but. We know that uh, good old Richard Linton took care of that, so he's he's not riding in on the white horse to save everybody here, and that that I think is the concern for the rest of the year. Oh, one, another one of my bullet points in the story I'm writing right now is the volatility of this team. In in their defense, a lot of teams are pretty volatile this time of year. It's still December. You don't start really crafting a model of consistency until January. Really, that's what happened with this team last year was with the Texas and Baylor road trip at the beginning of January where they kind of started to craft – into four and they had games in December where they're in a dog fight with Radford. They're, they're falling to Butler by double digits on the road. Now I think this one probably stings a little bit more was probably a little bit more disappointing, but the volatility in this team is, is to your point, John is why you're seeing there's the results of that you are. And, and, and I know it's a product of the shooting performances one way or another, but this team, you know, beats Villanova houses, basically dominates LSU on the road defeats a solid Providence team in overtime. At the same time, it's getting smoked at home by Nebraska and having to take North Alabama into overtime. So the volatility is a lot. And you just wonder when that's going to shake out. And Because like we're going to find out which one of those they are. Yeah, real quick on the, and I know we got to go to break, real quick uh, on the, the shooting front as well. I mean, we all acknowledge Cam Carter's made a significant leap this year and uh, how he's playing. He's been great for K-State but he's shooting 29% from three now. He shot 33% last year. So it just shows the the shooting woes this team has had from the perimeter and just not being able to consistently put it together. I think R.J. Jones is a guy that they're going to have to get going as a freshman coming off the bench because he's a guy that they know can shoot it, and I think they have to figure out a way to, to get him to, out there on the court a little bit more to give them a little bit more from beyond the arc. I, I think, and I know we had to go to break, but I think you need him on the court because – you talk about Tyler Perry, Cam Carter, their shooting bows. They're averaging 38 minutes a night. Is is that why? 
But yeah, yes, that's another good point. They've, they've really had to stretch a lot of these guys throughout a good portion of the year. And yeah, I mean, you go down the list of the big three that they have. I mean, Kaluma's two for 10, 0 of 5. Uh, Carter's four for 17, one for eight. Tyler Perry's three for 11, three for 10. Just not going to get it done. Um, and that those three also combined for seven turnovers in a game. So yeah, just a rough effort in case they needs those guys to to be good. Home field apparel is always good, though. Never need to worry about that. No off-shooting nights for home field apparel. You can go to homefieldapparel.com. They've got 40-plus K-State items there to choose from. We are regularly wearing those here on the show. Uh, I was wearing my home field, like, Sailor Willie uh, quarter zip to the game on Saturday. Is that an Akron logo that you have, Derek? Army. They would commander Army. I thought, I, thought, I thought he had App State on. Army. They won the commander-in-chief trophy. Okay, DY supports the troops uh, via Home Field Apparel, and you can too because they have 100-plus other options there as well at homefieldapparel.com. And we're so nice that we'll give you 15% off your first order. It's code 3MA23. So tell Home Field Apparel that 3MA sent you with promo code 3MA23 for 15% off your first order. Still time. You got a week before Christmas, everybody. You got a week before Christmas to make it happen. Um, But uh, yes, see our friends at Home Field Apparel. Make sure that you are geared up for the rest of the season, and we are back in just a moment. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I guess one other thought I had, and this is... This is not really fair to do. They've won the games, but they've won four overtime games this year, right? Like, if they're 2-2 two and two in overtime this year, how much differently are we viewing this team right now? I mean, particularly a, a couple of those games are Oral Roberts and North Alabama. So Oral Roberts, who got beat by 21 by Oklahoma State, by the way, yesterday. Um, how differently are we viewing this team if, if two of those overtime games go differently? I mean, then we're feeling like this season's a disaster so far. So they've... Re- They've really been towing this line of like, we feel like, okay, uh, about where they're at, but it's been close to, to really, really rough so far. Yeah. Without this four, I mean, two and two, even if it, the two wins are against North Alabama and Oral Roberts, then you lose two of your quality wins there that you feel good about in Villanova and Providence. And if, and if it's the other way, it's like, how the hell did we lose to Oral Roberts and North Alabama? So four known over time is probably doing a lot of the heavy lifting for this season. 
One one thing I would say also, I mean, I, I John, it's a good point. It's a valid argument. Uh, it's fortunate. Like you look at the North Alabama game, they they got very fortunate. Jerome Tang even acknowledged they didn't deserve to win that game, and they, they snuck through with that one. Or otherwise, this isn't feeling good right now. It yesterday also hurt because the way that you lost in the advanced metrics, you got killed. You dropped twenty one spots in Ken Paul to yeah. from forty six yeah. to sixty seven. And that came around a little bit at the end of the game. By the end of the game, it was 25 spots. In yeah. So they even yeah. got a boost from something out somewhere yeah. along the lines. But uh, the 25 spot, 21 spot in Ken Palm, that hurts. That's why I said at best, and I'm saying at best, I was a seed, a NCAA tournament seed altering loss. Yeah, I mean, it, they're now 67th in Ken Palm, and offensively, they dropped to 106th in offensive efficiency in Ken Palm. And they were probably, I think, around 50 going into yesterday, if I recall correctly. So it crushed them there. I haven't seen the NCAA net rankings. I'm not even going to look. I don't I don't want to see what those look like, but I'm sure it's it still, those just fluctuate. They're so fluid right now. But one thing I will say is, you know, when you look at guys that can give this team a jolt, obviously you're not going to get Nate Juan Tomlin anymore. Uh, and we, we don't have to talk about that anymore. But although I will say, guys, I, I do have to preface it that I keep seeing people like tweet or say, I mean, he was a 10.5 rebound a game guy. Like, how, how big of a difference is it going to make? Do, do people forget the jump that Cam Carter made from 6.9 points to almost 17 points this year? Guys improve, and he was given a first-round draft grade if he improved in certain areas. So please stop arguing that Naquan Tomlin wouldn't have made a significant leap because he certainly almost assuredly would have. Now, aside from that, you look at a jolt. I mentioned R.J. Jones. You got to hope. I mean, as Quez Glover gets back for the Chicago State game on January 2nd, which is what the staff is pegging him for his return date, you got to hope he can be a guy that can give this team another offensive jolt, a guy that can open up things maybe for Tyler Perry, that can handle the ball more. I mean, look, we're talking about a guy in Quez Glover that over his last two years, and I know it was a Sanford, but he did it against high-level teams in the non-con too in the few games that he played against those teams. He shot 47.5% from the floor the last two seasons while averaging almost 20 points his junior year, and then 14.7 points last year. And last year, he shot 37% from three. Now, he'd struggled a little bit from three before. It was a smaller sample size last year. But I do think if Quez Glover can be healthy, if he can be himself out there, he can give this team a meaningful lift and really help them out. Well, one of the areas that will help is what is what Derek said about the minutes that everybody's been playing. Like if Quez Glover can just take some minutes away from from some of the guys in the backcourt, you hope that that'll make a difference, particularly when we're, I mean, we're talking about the second half when they really went ice cold shooting, which I don't know. It's, it's hard for me though, to complain too much about legs when they had a week off, uh, from, from the LSU yeah. game, but yeah, uh, that, that's fair. What I will say, and it's hard because we don't have the full body of work yet. And there was the, the TC road game last year the Butler road game last year, the West Virginia road game last year, but where, you know, things got away from Kansas State. Those are the three that kind of jump out to me. But we're talking about all these shooting performances that have kind of sunk Kansas State. It just, I feel like they're still waiting for that alpha to show up in those games and just prevent it from happening or to help them overcome it. Anyways, because that's what Marquise Noel was last year. Like they, they could, you know, be playing a turd, but they were going to figure it out because they have Marquise Noel. Now, all American, I get it, but I mean, they just have to have that personality, that 
character from someone that says not today. Well, that's that's where like I think the Tyler Perry discussion comes in here, where like he he's great in those clutch moments, but if you just need like a basket, he just he can't really beat anybody off the dribble. He he's not a guy that creates his own shot. Like he's he's going to need someone to do that for him to get the open open looks. And I think that's what's t- like Kaluma. Kaluma is probably the closest thing to it, right? If we're going to talk about a guy who, when things are clicking, could just go get you a basket and take you take you out of your slump it would be Kaluma but he was trying desperately to do that yesterday and and just was not able to so I, I, is, I that, is that the answer I, I I sort of agree but I the Tyler Perry stuff like he I don't think he's going to create for others though, obviously but in terms of getting his own shot off because he doesn't need much separation at all I mean you look at the the buzzer beater against North Alabama and Villanova like it's just a step back very tight window put it in the bucket like that's just got to be who he is throughout but I mean he was getting his shots off and, and and making them at North Texas. It's going to come, but he's got to he's got to be willing to take some of these shots too. And now he shot ten threes, so now he's got to make them. Let's settle the argument, Cole. Well, I mean, look i i spent like I, I spent last week watching a couple of the NCAA tournament games on my DVR, Michigan State, Kentucky, and. Uh, just to make myself feel better, bring back some positive vibes of with everything that's gone on over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, as I watched that team, they were, there was a lot of athleticism out there. I mean, they had guys that could go create. It wasn't just Marquise. It wasn't just Keontae. Desi Sills can get to the rim if he needed a basket. Aquan Tomlin can get to the rim and beat his guy if he needed that. And I don't know, this team doesn't have quite that same feel to it. It's it's not a knock. You're not going to have teams like last year all the time. But I just don't know if they have enough dudes to get to the level that they want to this year. The more that we watch them, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be okay. I mean, I think they can still get to the NCAA tournament. Um, but I I don't know if they have enough, quite enough talent and the Naquan stuff. And a lot of those out of their control. I mean, Wes Glover got hurt. Naquan Tomlin off the team now. Two of your top dudes that you were counting on haven't haven't played or will not play for Kansas State this season so the team the staff thought they were building and bringing in it's it's not out there on the court now you're going to get Quest Lumber back but obviously not going to get Naquan which is a big blow for what this team was relying on and looking ahead going into this season so I don't know I, I just said they don't they don't have quite enough shot creators in my mind um, to probably reach the level that uh, the staff would like but they still seem confident I mean Jerome Tang still seems confident the staff seems confident that I, I I was surprised with his comments a little bit after the game yesterday. I thought he might go off like he did at the Texas game in Ramlage last year when, you know, he called it an unacceptable effort, um, you know, and was was really upset after they blew that 14-point lead in the first half against the Longhorns. But he took the calm approach uh, in the public eye, and he knows what's best for his team. I trust that. So uh, maybe that's that's what he felt was needed. No, I would totally agree with that. I mean, I definitely have my trust in him to know, like, he keeps you on your toes, man. Like as far as what his reaction is going to be in press conferences and just public settings with things like that, he will absolutely keep you on your toes. So I trust him. I trust him enough to you know know what it's going to take to get this team to the tournament. I I definitely do believe that too. Um, but yeah, if if we're talking about being able to get to a second weekend or something like last year, it's it's you got to squint really really hard to to be seeing that at this I, point. John, I did want to say though too because I. 
I feel a little like calling out effort about the rebounding thing. I, there were some lapses and everything that led to some of the rebounds, but I also want to point out and KSU fan reminded us of this in our group chat, the K-State held Nebraska to their second worst offensive rating of the season yesterday. They held Nebraska to 35% field goal percentage in the game. You don't do that if you're not playing with solid effort. You, you know, the defensive numbers that K-State put out there yesterday were pretty darn good. So, I mean, they they were playing with effort. It just some mismatches that led to offensive rebounds and shots not falling. So I, I don't think this was a moment where they just came in completely flat. It just it sucked the life out of the crowd when you're not making any shots and you just can't get any juice in there. And the offensive rebounds early in the second half were sucking the life out of the crowd, deflating them in case they couldn't get out and run. And so I don't want to make it seem like this was a an all effort issue. I just think it was it was really one of those games um, where everything fell apart on the offensive end and. You know, just nothing would work. And Nebraska shot 35% from the floor, 36% from three, only got to the line four times. So, yeah, I mean, if you would have shown me those numbers before the game, I would think K-State's winning by double digits. Yeah, I mean, the big difference, obviously, they they make 11 threes, though, on one more attempt than K-State, and K-State made four. I mean, that's a a big difference as well in the game. So they were able, able to knock down some shots on the perimeter. I will say, I mean, whatever this means, Nebraska is now 19th in the country in three-point defense. They were 24th in the country going into the yesterday's game. So they've been good against the three. I, I always feel like three-point defense is a little bit of a fluky number. Yeah, it's a hard one for me. So, again, you show me those numbers from yesterday for Nebraska. If I were a betting man, I, I certainly would have bet on the Cats. Uh, I am not, but you can be a betting man with our friends at DraftKings. NFL fans, time to unwrap nonstop football action. Uh, this holiday season, throw down on big matchups with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just 5 bucks on the NFL and score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook uh, app now with code KCSN. New customers can bet $5 on NFL action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Oh, Ontario, I'm so sorry. Damn it. Damn it, Ontario. It's Boyd in Ontario. Uh, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. At least Ontario is back. You know, I mean, th- things are a little bit of a bummer with the basketball game, but at least we got the Ontario read back, so I feel good about that. That's a positive for today. And now, uh, in case they will turn their attention to Wichita State, who is in the 100s in Ken Palm right now, 110, Wichita State, 110 in Ken Palm at 8-3. and three. What do we think about the Shockers here as K-State heads toward the end of the uh, the non-con schedule? How big of a threat are the Shockers? Well, I, I think regardless of what the metrics say, and I, I don't know how they compared to last year, but I do think this is a better team than the one they had last year. And Kansas State is so volatile, kind of speaks to what we said earlier, they are capable of beating just about anyone in the country and capable of losing to about anyone in the country. So, I mean, um, we'll see what we get. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll be candid. I haven't looked too much into Wichita State. I did watch them play Missouri a couple weeks ago, uh, actually about 10 days ago. They lost that game in Columbia by 10. They're 8-3 and three now on the year. They also lost to South Dakota State and Wichita by 10 points. Haven't played an incredibly challenging schedule. Um, knocked off St. Louis by 19, beat Richmond by 12, so beat a couple of Atlantic 10 schools. Um, but I haven't, I haven't looked too much into them. They just knocked off Southern Illinois by one point at home uh they're 93rd at least they were 93rd the other day when i checked and ken palm going into it uh poto big man is uh, a guy that returns for him he's averaging 12 points a game and then rogers i think they have a really good three-point shooter and it might be uh it might be colby rogers here as i'm looking it up yeah he's uh he's a really solid three-point shooter i just i haven't done a lot on wichita state guys so I will say uh, they, they seem to be pretty volatile, too. They beat some okay to solid teams. A couple of them comfortably lost to, you know, got, got a rough loss in there, got to barely beat Southern Illinois. So I, I think you are you are getting two volatile teams and probably getting two coaches that know very well what each other wants to do. Yeah, well, well-coached team. I mean, Paul Mills, he's an excellent coach. So um, I'm just I'm trying to find – this is outstanding. Now, Wichita State's now 110th in Ken Palm. They dropped substantially. So, well, one point, one point went over Southern Illinois. Probably did that. Yeah, 158th offensively in Ken Palm, 88th defensively. I would like to see K State blow somebody out. I mean, you can count the LSU. I mean, a 15 point win is a comfortable type blowout. But I, I'd like, I'd like to just see him take control from the start. It's what I kept waiting for yesterday against Nebraska. Just, uh, you know, go on that like 8-0, 10-0 run when they were up by three or six and push that game out, and they weren't able to do it. Well, so. what's funny is, you know, and, and I think I wrote this at one point in my instant takeaways as I write that throughout the game, <laughs> was they were sitting there up three at halftime. It actually felt good about it because they didn't really play that well in the first half either. Yeah. Yep. So hopefully I, I'd love to just see him in front of a great crowd on Thursday in Kansas City just – get out and blow the doors off of Wichita State and uh, win by 15, 20 plus. So hopefully that happens and they go on holiday break and they have Chicago State, they get Quez Glover back and open up Big 12 play at home against UCF. So there's a chance to still rebuild and just forget what happened. Uh, you're going to have a couple clunkers and and that was a clunker. And hopefully we just look back at it at the end of the year like we did Butler last year at Butler, you know, throw it in the trash and move on. You know, we had a we had a listener call ask us if we had found tickets yet to uh, to Wichita State. The answer the answer to that still is no. By the way, no no tickets for uh, Wichita State. So plan to go? You plan to go? Uh, I'm still undecided on that. Uh, Got to figure that out. What the what the plans look like? So not not sure yet. Are you going to go? Also not sure. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah, not to not to seem like bandwagoners here. I just don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it down there on Thursday night or not. But uh, I'd like to see see if we're able to uh, to make it. I don't think I'll bring Brody to that one. So we'll probably leave. Oh, why back. not? I don't know. He needs a, he needs a game off. So yeah, he just was getting all the love from Jareem for his chains last game, and now you're gonna you're gonna shut it down. You were trying to prevent him from scooping up confetti after the game, too? Like, just really putting the clamps down on poor Brody. I was also preventing him from yelling something else that he yelled at one point. <laughs> hey, speaking of that, <laughs> I was going to ask you what you thought of uh, 
good old Dick Linton sitting next to uh, Gene Taylor down on uh, near near Press Row, uh, sitting next to Gene Taylor in a little security detail. Uh, your thoughts on Richard Linton showing up at the basketball game there? By you want me to take it? You take it. Yeah. Well, we both can. I, I mean, I had a feeling that he goes to every basketball game and didn't think he was going to change that up, but obviously, I think it was a little bit of a. I don't know if stunts the right word, but he was, I think, strategically placed in terms of who was by, just because maybe it looks like they're they're trying to project unity, obviously, but also if you put them both on the screen at the same time, maybe you won't get the booze because people won't want to boo Gene. Yeah, um, look, it's a it's a nice little public relations move to put him next to Gene Taylor and make it look like they're unified and. I feel bad that Gene had to sit there with him the whole game, but, uh, you know, he sat over there with him at his nice little security escort and uh, also wasn't in his normal Section 6 chair back seats where he normally sits, uh, so he wasn't amongst the whole crowd. Uh, and then also had his name scratched from the uh, the intros, as you and uh, I saw Kellis both noted, D.Y., so that there was no fan reaction. And then I saw somebody uh, tweet that he also had it scrapped from the women's basketball game the day before, too. Yeah, because I think the the women's game, I think right after Villanova, I think it did get booed. So I think it got removed because <laughs> it's just come on, man. We're we're concerned about the one line that says like on behalf of Kansas State University President Richard Linton, welcome to Bramley's Coliseum. Like I mean, Angie Taylor, Angie Taylor. It says but yeah, no longer part of the public address. Yeah. Good thing, good thing we're worried about the important things at uh, at good old Kansas State, Kansas State U, baby. We have to. Uh, the, the, I think that does look. I think it was Kansas State's decision to do so, not like the president like uh, mandating it. So I don't want people to think it was because of that. But that tells you what they think about the situation in the president that they don't want him to get his feelings hurt. I'm not putting anything past him, man. You don't think you think you're gonna just shut that down? That you don't think that was a possibility? No, that was a decree from on high. Yeah, I believe the athletic department had discussed that um, very thing. So I think they were worried about him getting his feelings hurt. So it shows you what they think about him, though. Yeah. Okay. I, I definitely see the case that you're making there, and that syncs up with a lot of the stuff that we've heard behind the scenes, right? Like protect. Protect our boy Gene here. Protect our boy Gene as much as uh, as much as we possibly can. Again, a reminder: the reigning uh, athletic director of the year in uh, in college athletics. So, I don't know. You know, maybe 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 Linton will get there someday. Do they give an award for uh, best best college president, best collegiate president? Is that out there? College president Heisman. I don't know. They just get just get Linton on this side doing a little little Heisman pose. You know, as he's standing next, <laughs> next to Gene Taylor there. I don't. Can he? Can he use that temper of his against the officials? I don't know. Do we have any real beefs with the officiating crew? Cole's the guy to ask on that. You know, maybe Linton could just use his hot headedness to uh to to get after the officials if he's gonna sit I, that close. I, I thought Kansas City actually got away with quite a bit of fouls. <laughs> I can't I can't complain too much when the opponent shoots four free throws. Um <laughs> they say shoots eighteen. Uh, so well, you always have uh, something for me, man. You always have something on the officials. You always uh, have I mean, something. That, that, I mean, that that's another like way to summarize the game, right? Kansas State uh, shoots 14 more free throws. Nebraska only shoots 35% from the field, and Kansas State still gets blown out. Yeah, we had Kip Kissinger make his first appearance in Bramlage, uh, you know, for the uh, the season officiating the game. But uh, I'm 
not going to nitpick the uh, the officials. Uh, I will say that one of the worst offensive performances in Bramlage did occur with the president sitting courtside. So I don't want to place blame or project, but you know, I don't know. Uh, so maybe we don't have that happen anymore. This is a hashtag analytics. Hashtag analytics. Yeah, cannot argue. Yeah. We have not won a game since they changed the public address at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate to place blame, but, you know, just just saying it could be anything. But uh, yeah. Have not won a home game since they kicked Naquan Tomlin off that, since Richard Linton kicked Naquan Tomlin off the team. So, you know, there's that stat too. Uh, not good. Not good. Hashtag analytics there. It was a football visit weekend. DY transfer portal, hot and heavy. What do you have for us on uh, K State's pursuits in the in the portal? I I think they had a lot of visitors on campus. Even had uh, Devin Die on campus, the son of Jermaine Die. He's being pursued both by K State and KU. So um, for your for you Royals fans that are a little missed out, that's that's uh, that's All Star Royal Jermaine Die started in the All Star game back in the day. I was so proud. So yeah. proud to have him as a starter back. I'll then. be I'll be honest. I don't have a ton of information yet. It's it's a little. I'm not saying it's slow and nothing's happening. Just haven't really got my hands on anything. Malcolm Alcorn Crowder did not. That's the DN from a big DN from Butler Community College. Didn't visit Florida. I think he did visit Syracuse, but then not visiting Florida makes you feel pretty pretty good about where that might be. Um, I like where they are with Travis Bates, defensive end transfer from Austin P. So you already probably solved the, your offensive line riddle and i think they're probably close to solving the defensive line riddle when you also consider that brendan mon announced his return live on three three mile last week so at least you're kind of sewing up the 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 trenches yeah um receiver wise i know it's that was another big part of the weekend receivers where things trended there I, I, I visitors there i don't know of any movement just yet miles price of texas tech was on campus uh division two transfer from tuskegee i think is how it's pronounced uh what is his name brandon meeks i want to believe shows you where everything's kind of spaced out right now between basketball and this and the off square of the bowl game uh getting my wires crossed a little bit i think it's brandon meeks i know that he and price were both on campus i don't think the new mexico state transfer was Trent Hudson. So uh, had some even latent movement with some new visitors that were initially going to be in town that were in town and in one or two that you thought might be in town ended up not coming. So some late action. We're in the dead period now. So um, that was probably the root of it. And we'll see what kind of transpires between now and then. I know that Kent State probably feels confident where they are with Malcolm Alcor Crowder. And I would say He's probably one of the more important targets left on the board at this point, just because you do have to you know, fix the defensive line to an extent. You want to get a heavier body in there. Um, you're, they're trying to push for him to be December side. You don't want him to wait until the late period and take that yeah. Florida visit. Yeah, no, for sure. Not at all. Uh, any reaction to, I know you, you touched on it briefly there, but Brendan Mott and Austin Moore deciding to come back since you were not on that show the other day. It's, it's good to get older guys in the room, right? I, I think they're kind of, I wouldn't say too full, but you're kind of packed tight there in the linebacker room, which was why I was a little surprised that they were going to bring in a transfer linebacker on a visit and Josiah Galvin in Northern Iowa. That was one of the visitors that ultimately didn't end up in Manhattan this weekend and, and visited Wisconsin instead, I believe. 
Um, you got to think maybe that was the, a direction by Kansas State just because of where that linebacker room is. You, you're also bringing Cam Salison to that room. Um, Defensive line, Brendan Mott, uh, just a solid contributor. Um, you like to get that steady consistency and have that presence in the room. Guys that played a lot of football are still valuable. And when you lose, if they didn't bring back Mott, they were losing their top four dudes of it. Yes, Chidi OBI's earned Jordan Allen of bright futures, but it's good to have an older player to put next to them. Maybe add in Malcolm or Alcorn Crowder, Travis Bates. Uh, you have four or five ends where you'd like to be that you can count on for next season. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that's, I think that's about it. We'll, we'll keep you posted obviously on, um, on the transfer front. And Hey, if you want, if you want more information as things go along, make sure you're a, a Patreon member, patreon.com slash three ma pretty uh pretty fun discord these days i mean obviously we'll post shows up there you get bonus content cole will do short little videos opponent previews um i'm sure we'll get something on wichita state as that basketball game nears but in addition to the the audio visual content that you get there one of the the most valuable assets you could have right now is is being a member of the discord basically one big group chat uh where you're getting more real-time updates and uh inside info as we have it Uh, i think people have been very very pleased with that lately so patreon.com slash three mods just five bucks a month a uh, great way to support the show and uh, stay up to date on everything else and get more bonus content from us. Patreon.com slash email. I've not done a great job of promoting that lately here on the show, but that'll do it for all of us. Uh, appreciate the work of Nick Springer behind the scenes. As always, thank you to uh, our friends at holiday distillery uh, as well as home field apparel and good old DraftKings. Shout out to Ontario uh, for Cole Manbeck and Derek Young. I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to another edition of three ball. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.